0: of our Lord and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Thursday as we are very quickly coming to Holy Week, April the 7th. But and as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew chapter 26. It, we continue in Holy Week during Jesus' time, but things are about to get real. We've been, been just plowing through the eschatological discourse. Jesus telling us about the end times, and now he gets to his unfinished business. Not only, not looking to the future, but saying, this is what I need to do now for God's people. Caiaphas and the religious leaders are trying to take him down. Betrayal by Judas as we realize he's the one who pursued this, the Passover supper, and then the new supper that we continue to receive today. These are powerful words, and we often read them and just go through them very quickly. But today we slow down. It's good to get into the text even before Holy Week for us to be able to open our Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome regular guest Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, a blessed Lent and welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Thank you, and uh, to you as well. I'm I'm glad yeah. to be back, and it looks like we are going to be spot on today as we're going through this uh, fi- these final days of Lent. So this looks like a great place to be, as far as in Matthew here, and as uh, Jesus continues to move toward the cross. So.
0: And this is something uh, good for you, our listeners, to remember as well, is that that we're going through Matthew at the same time. Um, really, our the similar Bible study that we have at eight o'clock every morning, Central Time, sharper iron is going through the book of Luke, and it really worked out well this year to be able to go through this in preparation for Holy Week, because usually we just kind of wait, and we wait, and we do it during Holy Week. But this year, we have a little foretaste of of the passion to come, I'll call it that. But Pastor, tell us about yourself. What's going on for you, your family, and the Saints, Ed Zion?
1: Well, uh, actually, I'm taking a little bit of a break from my granddaughters, who are down here visiting. And uh, they just came down yesterday. They'll be here for a week, so... Uh, I'm kind of leaving the, the, the bulk of the, the workload here at the church with my colleague and uh, taking advantage of that and, and enjoying some time together with family. So,
0: Well, then we are even more doubly blessed that you are still willing to join us this morning. Um, and I have to ask this question. We alluded to it in a text we exchanged, but you haven't been to a, a spring training game, though, huh?
1: Right. Um, spring training was cut almost in, in half because of the negotiations that were going on, uh, just kind of waiting for um, to see whether or not we were even going to have a season there for a while. So that really put a real punch. I bet punches the economy down here. Uh, most of the people, though, still, because they had their places already reserved, still came down. But I uh, can't even imagine the disappointment that they didn't even get to see uh, any of the, the, the professionals out there on the field. Field playing, but yeah, they finished that all out. As you know, I mean, uh, the season has begun. That we don't, uh, and and all of the all the people that came down, of course, in March, they all go back up, uh, back That's up right. to the different cities all over. You know, and so <laughs> we've got our roads back. <laughs> it's, it's always true. a joy to have them the roads back. You know, to ourselves and not have to uh, be in all of that traffic because it's uh, it's always a challenge. But we 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 bring on the challenge. We like it. We love it we, we i mean this is what this this area is all about is is tourists and uh, people who come down just looking to get away from the cold so
0: yeah Yep, and if they came to Minnesota right now, they would be welcome to 31 degrees and a little snow. So God bless them. God bless I them. Actually,
1: I actually was, I was actually watching the weather this morning, and I, and I was thinking about you. So. Oh yeah. God bless.
0: God bless you all. So, so speaking about blessings, can you, uh, can you begin our time in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing?
1: Let's do that. Oh, gracious Lord, And during this season of Lent, we continue our walk our walk to a hill that that you were crucified on for our sake. Today, as we walk through some of the events that surround uh, that event, that greatest event of all for our lives, that event that restores us back to our Father in heaven, we pray that you would uh, be with us and and help us to cherish and be fed again this day uh, by what Uh, Matthew reports concerning what Jesus has truly done for us, that it might be ingrained in our hearts and in our minds, uh, that we might uh, truly cherish every bit of what you have given, and that is of yourself, completely and and fully for our sake. So as we study this day, we ask that your Spirit would continue to lead us and guide us as we grow in the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org or call us 314-821-0850 on this live program, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, as we look at Matthew chapter 26, I just want to do this very briefly is what would your encouragement be for all of our listeners as we come upon Holy Week of the importance of being in God's house Uh, throughout Holy Week, which would be Palm Sunday. Maybe you have other services, but Holy Thursday, Good Friday, maybe an Easter Vigil. We don't have one in particular, but maybe one, and Easter morning. What, What would your encouragement be to our listeners?
1: I mean, this is the time of the year where if you come to all the services you just mentioned, uh, you get to see and hear, uh, in some cases, see it visually as well, because I know that there's some drama, some divine drama in some churches, that uh, do a little bit of reenactment uh, of the events that took place. Uh, which reminds me, when uh, I was a pastor up in uh, Fergus Falls, Minnesota, mm-hmm. there was a nice hill that our church set on. And wow. uh, we actually um, started on Saturday, uh, I wanna say Saturday really early and then we uh we posted guards by what looked what appeared to be a tomb. Uh and and we would have Roman centurions uh or Roman soldiers that were there on the side of that hill all the way till Sunday morning and then Sunday morning, uh, right before our first sunrise service uh, people would actually drive over to our church and sit out in their cars and some would get out and uh, they would actually watch as we uh, tried to reenact what the resurrection was about when the angel uh, actually makes the announcements when the soldiers uh, were like dead men and so forth so uh, that was something we started doing every year and it was and it was picking up every year more and more people were, were coming to see that but Throughout the whole week, you get to actually walk with Jesus, uh, because this is the, the the time frame that these things happened. Was from Palm Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem, uh, to uh, celebrating uh, the Passover on Thursday, where he instituted uh, the New Meal, and then and then of course on Friday, which we call Good Friday, which is uh, the day after he was arrested there on that night, and uh, of course right on into uh, Sunday morning when we celebrate, and and really the Sundays now. That we celebrate are really like a celebration, kind of many, many celebrations of the resurrection of Jesus each and every Sunday, as we, we give thanks to God for all that Christ has done for us.
0: Very moving, and week, as I, that's for sure, it is, and it's a very visual week I have found. Um, like you said, that's uh, some of the drama that you guys. Did. It sounds like very simple, but yet really brings it to the forefront. Um, yeah, palms. I, I remember that as a child. Very, very prominent in my my. Um, in my my memory, uh, Holy Thursday, Stripping the Altar, Good Friday, loud noises and darkness and, and great songs. Yes. And then Easter morning, obviously, uh, maybe flowers, but obviously great and joyous singing with lots of white everywhere that surrounds you. So if you're if you're a visual person like me, Holy Week is the epitome of being yes. able to not only um, hear it, but also to see it. So. So the gifts are ready. So go and receive is our encouragement to all of you. Um, But let's get into the text here, Pastor. Um, Matthew 26. I will read all of our verses today, which are quite a few, but it's good for us to hear them and continually to digest them. So verses one, and we're going through 35. And here is the word of our Lord, our Lord's beginning right before our Lord's passion. 26, verse one. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be done in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver, And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples said, did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who had, would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said, You have said so. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they sang a hymn, they went out to the the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after him I raised up, I will go, uh, go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And the disciples said the same. This is our text today. Pastor, we've heard most of us have heard this many times. Um, What's a good way to make sure that we reflect on it appropriately today? Where do you want to start?
1: um maybe just to take each of the sections uh i don't know if you've Mm -hmm. got these subheadings there in your in your bible but maybe just taking uh, taking them one at a time and just kind of walking through what's going on here and and right just a little bit of a uh a background
0: is you know as i mentioned before before this in chapter 25 he's just speaking about the end so it's eschatological discourse Mm -hmm. meaning end times this is what's about to happen and then it's like okay He's he's getting his he's going to get his hands dirty he's going to get his feet dirty he's getting down to business in this chapter anything else before we get to this anything you want to highlight that's just a simple thing but to see if you have anything else
1: no I I think that uh, that you're you're pointing out uh, the fact that you know he just had this whole dissertation there on um, uh, really you you had the parable of the ten virgins and then the parable of the talents and then he gets into this final judgment here at the end of time and. You know, I mean, he ends with the words right before chapter 26, before that division there. Mm-hmm. It says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that's where we're heading. That is the finish line in this world, so to speak, whenever that last day comes. And we know that, that you know, as it attaches uh, that, uh, those words to uh, all that's going to happen there in that last day. And so, you know, he's, he's laid it out. Um, he's telling them where he's heading eventually, you know, as far as uh, going forward, where all of us are going to end up uh, going toward. And that mm-hmm. is this eternal life, either in punishment or in heaven. And uh, now he's going to he's gonna go out and he's going to do his work.
0: As I mentioned before, now it gets real. So let's, uh, let's hear the words this morning, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people." So we just hear a few words from Jesus, and then we hear of the plotting behind the scenes. What do you want to highlight?
1: Yeah, it's interesting how Matthew uh, wrote that there. Um, but here G- here we see Jesus in one scene, you know, with his disciples explaining about what's coming up. And, uh, you know, this has always been disturbing to the disciples. Um, you know, Peter, of course, speaks up on one occasion. Jesus, you know, uh, has that, that dissertation with him about, um, you know, get behind me, Satan. Uh, for you do not have in mind the things of of God, but the things of man. And of course, uh, he performs very well when it comes down to, to, uh, well, Jesus needing to actually follow this plan of God, which means crucifixion. And Jesus is, yeah. you know, very clear about that right there. And that he, he, this is all coming, you know, two days, Passover, delivered up to be crucified. And, uh, now he gets right over to the chief priest and the and the high priest and Caiaphas and all of that to say, okay, here it is. The, the, the wheels are in motion now, and this is what it's starting to look like. And that's what we're going to continue to see uh, through the rest of this chapter.
0: I love, like you said, how Matthew include this. In, in, in verse two, uh, it is the fourth time that Jesus predicts his crucifixion. He doesn't say resurrection in this one, which I found no. interesting, but he does include the crucifixion. So it's the fourth time, Matthew 16, 17, 20, and then here. But this time it really is like, you know, okay, so I, I've told you. There's no there's no doubt, as you know, is kind of what we'll say when maybe you're teaching or you're with your kids or reminding your grandkids as you are right now. Just, well, you know, the rule, you know what this is. So it's definitely a this is kind of the last time I'm going to tell you, you know, you know, that I, the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. And then it shows how it's about to happen, which is. I mean, very intentional. And all, here's the hard part as we look through this, and we'll be highlighting this often is all of this seems like, okay, well, why didn't Jesus just stop it there? You know, why didn't God just stop Caiaphas at that point? Well, all of it was part of his plan. And that can be kind of a difficult reminder for us as we look throughout all this, because who wants a cross? Who wants death? Who wants to see blood spilt for our sins? I know I don't, because that means I'm a sinner. Um, perspective that that God's still in control of all this, even though it appears He isn't. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, get behind me, Satan! Right? I mean, <laughs> and I, I I think there was some of that really in in Peter. I think he was being sincere and honest and genuine, and you know, he doesn't want to see his friend die. But uh, Jesus tells us, you know, that the friend that that lays down their life is a friend indeed. And and Christ, of course, shows us that fully and completely by laying down his life. and, And not just simply just laying his life down, but that all the suffering, the humiliation is just way... Way deeper than what you know, we can ever imagine for our God. I mean, you know, this is this is God Himself in the person of Jesus, undergoing a humiliation and allowing sinful people uh, to have their way with Him, so that so that the uh, the deed might be accomplished where He is sacrificed like a lamb, and, uh, and and sheds His blood for the people. And so they're plotting and they're getting ready to kill Him, and you don't see Jesus saying, uh, you know plotting to try and stop it or to continue to uh you know follow what peter had suggested before he's now this is it we're here the, the rubber's hitting the road right now and and they're ready to go just like you said this is where it gets real
0: it gets real. And and it does. Once we've 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 hit the same over and over again throughout Matthew is that it's showing us how this king is going to be the king that the Magi were searching for. And now they, we see this king. This king could have easily stopped the religious leaders by um, destruction, um, by political power. But he allows it to happen upon himself for the sake, like you said, uh, no greater love for a friend than to lay down his life for them. And that's what he does. And all of it is done in love. So uh, next is anointing at at Bethany. You want to move on to that? Yes. All right. Verses 6 through 13. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of a very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined a table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my head, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So we hear of of an anointing, but the anointing is not, you know, of of God to His people, but um, somebody to God it's, it's really it's really a fascinating insertion here of what happened in Holy Week. That I don't know. It's not. I've never heard a lot of preaching on this. I've not heard a lot of this during the the Holy Week, but I think it's very, very, very important as Jesus says. So, where do you want to begin?
1: Well, you know, and there's there's something very messianic about that as well. You know, this this whole anointing idea, this thought, uh, because uh, you know, here's Jesus fulfilling really the. The, uh, the offices of the one who is going to be Messiah, he comes into this world, and back in the Old Testament, of course, you and I both know that uh, those who were anointed for the vocation of prophet, priest, and king were uh, anointed with oil, and here she comes anointing him with uh, this this ointment that prepares him for burial. You know, this is one of those statements, and even like the one in verse 2, where you don't Hear the reaction of the disciples we don't We don't get to hear was there any conversation after that? What were they thinking when he mm. made these comments? I mean, this is deep, you know it's like the disciples are just kind of just listening and kind of moving along with it but but you can't help but wonder, you know what if I was one of the twelve and I heard these words, and Jesus is saying something about burial. Mm-hmm. and and he's he's been telling us about crucifixion he's been you know this had to be very disturbing to them um not fully understanding the purpose of what God was about when it came to the sacrifice of His Son. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned that on several occasions as we walk through and even, even as the disciples move forward and, and, and grow the church, you know, how much did they really know and how much were they really picking up as far as what this was all about, you know, as they're moving along? Because Quite frankly, as we're looking at that and especially as we heard Peters once they you know there's one where they do actually give a response Peter and um, it's not good uh, as far as what Christ is saying uh, because this is god's plan and so it's it's always really quiet after Christ makes these kinds of of um, uh, of comments about his his need to be killed to be put to death
0: for their sake yeah you don't you don't hear as much from the disciples throughout the rest of our time. Besides, well, denial, <laughs> which isn't good either. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> so right. We, have, so it, we point it, out their bad is, points, but you know what was going on in their hearts and minds? What's mm-hmm. real, you know what was going on even in the upper room? You know that always got that always uh, got to me too. You know just what was what was really going on in their heads and in their minds during these t- during this time. It's, a, it's, it's kind of incredible, really, when you think about it. So here
0: is what we do hear of the disciples here is the moment where um, where this woman comes and brings expensive ointment and she pours it on his head and it's clear that she does this in faith. And that's why her name will be proclaimed when the gospel is proclaimed, not as the same thing, but just, you know, okay, she did this work in faith and she did it to prepare me for burial. And, and if you ever think about... Um, How hard that is. It's like it's like if I were to go to my kids now and say, you know what, we got to prepare for dad's eventual funeral. That conversation is not going to be a real long one because who wants to talk about that? Now, if you're 80, even it can be difficult for people. I've heard I've had people had a difficult time talking about it when someone's on hospice. So it's a very difficult conversation to have. But her, obviously, in faith, is already preparing him for that, something that the disciples, even though they've heard it now four times, that he would die, um, were not ready for it. So I am very sympathetic with the disciples throughout this whole process, and even more so amazed by this woman who somehow realized that this was the reality. So any thoughts on her faith and the disciples and, and how that all comes together? It's really a beautiful story.
1: Yeah, but I, I think sometimes we we think that just the disciples heard these words from Jesus. You know, all these mm-hmm. all these times that he he made these comments and so forth, and and of course, the disciples are going to talk about it, and so word got back to her, I'm sure, and I think she knew the reality of what is coming, uh, and maybe not fully understanding it, um, definitely in a in a sorrowful, humble um uh, position there in front of him as she's pouring that onto his body and to prepare him for burial i mean that's that's an amazing that had to be an amazing scene uh for all who were there that's for sure and of course we know that the whole argument of this waste uh you know in mm. another gospel is is uh, the result of of um, these are really the words of judas um, who is in charge of the treasury? Of course, making yeah, it right. look as though he's really concerned about the waste here. Um, you know, here's here's the Son of God, uh, who knows what we should be doing as far as being good stewards of all that He's given us. And Jesus is basically saying, this is the best stewardship of of this resource that she has in her possession at this point, at this point, this, this means everything to me. And she's going to be known for this for forever. You know? So, uh, so it's really, it's really an interesting uh, scene overall.
0: And as we, as we look at that, there is, it brings me back to myself. We have about a minute left before our break. It brings me back to myself that there's times where I will make an argument and acting as if it's like, well, I'm really concerned about the poor when it really is something else. Some kind of selfishness that I have, or whatever it might be, but I'll say, "Oh, well, actually, we should be doing this because this means more." When really, my heart is leading me to something else. It's not really as holy as I would like it to be. Any thoughts on that? With about thirty seconds before I break,
1: right. no, I think you hit the nail on the head. There, right? you know, there's a there's a lot of, there's a lot of. Um... Uh, Times where, you know, God has given us all kinds of resources to use and to use to his glory, and and sometimes I think we make excuses because we want to hold on to them. We don't want to let go, and we don't really see what what we could do with all that God has given us.
0: Well, right now we need to take our break. We'll be continuing to go through Matthew 26 uh, with Pastor Curtis Dieterding, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We are studying Matthew 26 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And Pastor, we got through these um, first 13 verses, and it just kind of—it's like a, a runaway train, really—as we—as we continue to move forward. That you're—you're you're kind of wait, why is this moving so fast? But really, it—it's been a preparation since the Magi. Really, w- right. where is the king? You know, where is the king? And now he is showing how this king will reign. So, Pastor, before we get to Judas, anything else in the first 13 verses?
1: No, I think, I think we've covered the ground pretty well. Uh, just, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about uh, the the priests and the elders when they were <laughs> talking, but there was that moment where uh, they were trying to figure out, okay, how can we time this out? Because uh, right now we've got a lot of people here th- during this feast and uh, this whole Passover. At least they were thinking, anyway, you know, there could be an uproar among the people. And, of course, they're going to find that that actually is going work toward their favor later on in the week but but right now at least they're thinking about that and they're thinking wow you know this feast is for the Jewish people and the last people on the earth that they wanted to have uh, have an uprising would would have been them so you already see that there's this precious balance of things and how they have to take place as we move forward and that uh, you know nothing's going to stop it
0: So let's keep moving forward. Now we have Judas uh, enters the picture, and he's going to keep kind of showing up a lot here. So verses 14 to 16. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. I think the biggest thing that really struck me in this pastor is, I mean, I know this, but it really struck me as I read this this time and studied this, is that he very intentionally goes to them. I mean, it's not like he, he they're kind of like, hey, which one can we get? Ah, oh, let's get the money guy. You know, he keeps track yeah. of the money for those disciples. Let's get that guy. And then they send a representative. No, he explicitly goes to mm-hmm. the chief priest and says, what will you give me? What are your thoughts?
1: This is this, These passages right here, uh, we have such a tendency to look at that and go, how dare Judas could do this? How could he even think like this? How could he even think to betray Jesus at all? And then what we, what we fail to do is to actually look at our own lives and not realize really the impact every sin that we commit or omit it are sins that are just as as gruesome, that are a betrayal to Jesus. That is what sin is, and it's like, you know, we. So this always, I always see myself in Judas that way because I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you know what? It's not just Judas. <laughs> it's 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 me, and it's all of us, and I think we're so quick. Uh we're so quick to judge him, uh and I know he has a, he has this gruesome end, we all know that, I'm not going to give away the ending on that one, but I'm just saying that um we're so quick to just oh uh, here's here's the bad guy. well, guess what? I'm the bad guy, right. you're the bad guy, all of us are uh when it comes to Christ going through what he has to go through here.
0: And this is where, it, it, that's a great reminder for us to reflect. And and I see that throughout this whole, well, all the Gospels, but as we've been going through Matthew, is it's so quick to look at and go, why would they think that? Why after the fourth time did they not understand? Well, my goodness. I mean, let's look at ourselves, how often we've heard, you are forgiven and received it, but yet still hold on to some of those sins. You know, it's like, okay, God, you got it. And then we take it right back. You know, it's just unbelievable. And, um, and here he is, Judas... It, it, it might not be 30 pieces of silver for us, but what would that number be? Would it be a million dollars? You give me a million bucks if you if you deny your faith. Is it $10 million? Is it a billion dollars? Whatever that is, that's our Judas moment. You know, that's, I mean, maybe we don't go pursuing it, but if it came to us, I mean, what, what would your old Adam do if they offered you a certain amount, right? And so right, yeah, it's definitely. really quite stressful. Um, and, well, it brings us to our knees, no doubt. Any other yeah. thoughts?
1: Yeah, very good, very good. That's uh, that's. I think that's good insight. Um, yeah, I mean, what does what it what does it take to to uh, buy us buy us off? You know, and uh, it's not just money, but just anything in life. You know, at what point do you deny God? Do you turn from Him? I mean, you know, we we can wrap Peter into this too. We look at him, and we go, oh my, how could he do that? That's and even Jesus even told him he was going to do it, and he still did it. Right, you know, it's like right, we right. we like to we like to finger point and, and go, oh, you know, I, I there's no way I would ever do that, and, and it's right. like, well, you do, <laughs> you do do this. Every time that we turn away from what God's will is and go to our own will and we make ourself God and we just go our own way without any care in the world, we're doing the very same thing.
0: Well, what's anything else on, on Judas? Because, I, well, I know I'm on my knees right now in, in repentance <laughs> and uh, we pray the same for all of us as we look, as Absolutely. we continue. But any, anything else uh, going to the Passover?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think enough with the law. Sorry.
0: There you go. Well, let's get to the Passover then. Verse 17 through 25. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined a table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him and one another after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And then Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. Now, there's a lot we could focus on, little bits at a time, but any broad strokes, first thoughts you have on the Passover?
1: Well, again, you see, you know, Jesus is prepared to take this, uh, to actually have this meal together with uh, his disciples. And uh, it's interesting because the conversation uh, starts more with this whole idea of one who's going to betray. And Jesus, as he's saying these things, he's actually um, saying that these things must happen. You know, I mean, he is. He's not even. He's not saying, "Shame on you who is betraying me. You should really change your mind and not do that." you know because that would be that would be according to God's will and God's law but he just says this is going to happen this is it this is how it's going to come down and it's going to be one of you actually that do this to me and uh, it's wonderful to see uh, that the one who's most guilty about uh, this whole thing would be Judas and that he was the one who wanted to see just oh oh he knows that does he know does he know who now Right. So he's right. like, "Wow, you, you would have thought it's a wake-up call. Come on, Judas, you know." But no, you know, he's going to go and do the do what needs to be done anyway. So I know that and there's I, been. I... Go ahead,
0: go ahead. Oh, I was, was going to say that one of the unique things is it says, "Is it I, Lord?" Is what the rest of them say, and and then he says specifically, "Is it I, Rabbi?" And so there's, there's. I don't want to. We want to go too far with that. Uh, might be just a simple, just different word. But there is a reality. Lord and Rabbi. Lord, meaning I believe that there's a, a godliness to you, if not professing that he is God. Um, to Rabbi, just simply, you're just a teacher. And so there's definitely a distinction there that I read a few commentaries um, really look at. Did you have any any thoughts on that? I found that interesting.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard that as well. Um, it's interesting too because, uh, you know. Is Judas learning? Is he learning what the Lord does know and will know about the situation, know about him? Um, That's really interesting that, you know, one right after another it says, Is it I, Lord, back in verse 22? And then, as you pointed out, he says, Is it I, Rabbi? Um, And that is, uh, that's very interesting. And he answers him like a teacher. Well, Mm -hmm. you have said so, Mm -hmm. you know. Got the right answer. Good job. Get 100 on your test. You want to say it? I
0: think you just answered your own question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You got it right. You're right right on. That's
0: right. Ding, ding, ding. I think that's that's today's version of someone saying ding, 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 and then walk away. That's it. Yeah, that's it. The light is on. I'm going to touch a little bit on, because this is a connection to the Lord's Supper we're going to get to, and, and probably relatively quickly here, the Passover. Tell us about the Passover.
1: Well, the Passover, of course, is a meal that was um, a memorial meal that God established to be to be set forever. This is the way the people of God were going to, were going to practice. Of course, we know that uh, the Passover comes as a result of the tenth plague that was against Egypt, their, their enemies, and um, And and God actually, you know, sends Moses, tells them that that this uh, angel of death is coming, that uh, all the firstborn will will die. And uh, then comes this announcement from God through uh, Moses to tell the people, uh, here's what you're to do. To, to have salvation for all of those who are firstborn in your households. And that is to you know have this lamb, prepare this lamb, um, and uh, it needs to be a male, it needs to be without, uh, without blemish. Um, you can see all the connections, really, to the one who's coming, the greater fulfillment, which is going to be Jesus, the Lamb of God. And you can see all of this happening in this first meal that God establishes. Uh, he stands at his memorial meal to let them remember how God had delivered them from the hands of their enemies, the Egyptians, and um, and it was supposed to be done every single year. And he's he, the, the whole word of Passover is to uh, remind them of the fact that God's angel of death passed over those doors that had the blood of the lamb uh, that was actually um, put on those lentils and those door those door frames, and uh, God would. Uh, they would be saved from death. And that's exactly mm. what Jesus does is he sheds his blood. Uh, so so this this old meal becoming a new meal really have all of the markings of the old meal only now fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Right. It's, a, it's a remarkable picture when you see those two meals laid side by side and all the connecting points that God really, as he establishes this meal, is already predicting the coming of Messiah to give his life as the Lamb of God. It's just, a, just an absolutely beautiful picture.
0: It's definitely one of my favorite teaching points. When we prepare our young people to receive the lord's Supper for the first time to go back to the Passover and speak about god's salvation of his people, and how now that it you know is it is showing that the final sacrifice will be done. Um, it is not a a new sacrifice every time we have the Lord's supper. Um, that's what they, you know, that's kind of how they would see in the past, but now it is the final sacrifice that has been done on account of Christ. And so it's a great connecting point. So that's a great segue. We have about just over 10 minutes left in our time. So I really want to make sure we focus our attention in these next few verses very, very well. So let's, let's get to it. 26 through 29, as Jesus brings a new, um, new supper to his people. So as we believe this is the institution of the Lord's Supper, Um, one quick reflection is, it makes me wonder what was like, you know, were were they just mowing down the unleavened bread and all of a sudden Jesus right in the middle of it, cutting short the conversations, just holds up the piece of bread and starts doing it? Or what, you know, what happened at that moment? But I don't want to make fun of it, but it's just kind of an interesting dynamic of how he does it and the power in these simple words for us today. How do you want to start us off?
1: Well, there there was a there was a tradition, you know, in how all of these things took place, and that tradition also explained why they were doing what they were doing. You know, the children in the house would ask the questions. The the uh, the one leading the Passover uh, would answer the questions, and then they would all partake. in it, and however however they were moving through this meal, um, I don't know. Have you ever had a Seder meal at your church? I know that's a big popular thing among a lot of clergy to have a Seder meal.
0: I have not. And this is where Pastor Kevin Parviz was talking about this on Tuesday, that their church is doing that. So, yeah, yeah I have not. But yeah, so, carry you know, on. I've, have, you?
1: I've, have you? I've honestly been blessed to actually have Kevin Parviz actually lead a couple of our Seder so, Really, So he Wonderful. actually speaks in the Aramaic, uh, Aramaic, you know, as he's going through, because, uh, you know, he he knows that language well enough that he can speak it and speak what... What the words would have been, you know, at that meal, and then he, uh, where we believe some of those uh, those words that Christ inserted, you know, you got to kind of try and figure out where did that happen in the meal. Um, there is one part of the meal though. Uh, there's four cups that are lifted up. Uh, I can't remember the name of all the cups, but the one cup called the cup of redemption is held up in that meal, and it's in that. It's at that cup where we believe that maybe Christ may have uh, spoken those words about himself Mm -hmm. and his blood and that redemption that comes through him. And so in the bread, too, when the bread is is lifted up, we believe that that's when Jesus would have said that because he breaks it and gives it to his disciples. It would not have already been eating yet, uh, probably the bread itself. But now that is the time when the bread is distributed. And, of course, in the Seder meal, Today, uh, each piece, each part of what we're eating is brought one at one at a time. You know, we we partook of, of each of those and remembering what what took place.
0: And so, as you look at that, what well, let's just go back to simple catechism type of situations. What is happening, or what what is Jesus saying about this bread and about this wine?
1: Well, he, he just says it's his body it's his blood i mean you you hear him say take eat this is my body take eat this is my blood The this is the bread and the wine you know and he's saying that this is my body and blood and we see it as the, the the body and blood that was was given and shed for us on the cross obviously he had not done that at this point in this particular meal at this time but it is that it's the same meal that's connecting to what was coming that he was going to be on that cross and you know this is just the night before <laughs> so uh, when it actually right. took place and uh you know you'd have to you have to think to yourself too again this is another one where you know we don't hear the disciples reaction we don't know what's going on in their hearts and minds what all did they actually get from what jesus is saying and how does this connect with what he's been telling us you know there had to be a lot going on, you know, in their hearts and minds that just that we just can't even imagine. Um, and, and we know that they did not fully grasp everything, for they ran for their lives. They, you know, hid out in a room. Um, I think there was this hope that they would have probably all cherished that he said something about rising again on the third day. Uh, you know, how much of all of that was absorbed and taken in and understood? That we'll never know, you know, because it's not written down. But every time that we go through this week, I think to myself, what if what if I was a disciple and this is the first time that I that I'm seeing this and I'm experiencing this? What would that have looked like and been like? Of course, now we're you know we're we're, we're way past the event and uh, we can analyze it and and see how all of these things took place and especially. The fact that when Christ says, and he's holding bread in his hand, and he says, this is my body, we believe that. Mm -hmm. We, We can't begin to understand how that is, but I believe it because he says so. He says this is his body, and I believe it to be his true body, his real body. He doesn't say anything else other than that and so, um you this is something that I know that uh, a lot of different church denominations really argue over and 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 try to debate on what what is that really all about when Jesus says those words
0: and so what happens when okay, so we believe it is the we say the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ because he says is and is means is uh, that's that simple and and you know good like i would say nowadays people love science and they that's a real struggle for people is wait a second that um that is clearly not blood that is clearly wine so scientifically that's not true what do you mean by that and what would what's a very simple statement you would say is well um well it is a true body and blood and and they say well how can that be what would you say
1: um I would say the same thing that those Lutherans that are in my uh, adult instruction class because they want a refresher they usually say the same thing they go I don't know <laughs> and I usually go you're right yeah, that's right <laughs> that's the that's answer right. we don't know fully how what how Christ's real presence is truly there he just tells us it is and I cling to that that's what that's what faith is about clinging to the words of God, in the words of Christ, especially here. And to do anything other than that is to not, not, as far as I can tell, not have faith in the fact that Christ says that His body is there and His blood is there and uh, i know in the in the commentary in, uh, in the uh, uh concordia study bible I, I really like this one line here too cuz it uh, it says in uh, under verse 28 this is the you know my blood of the covenant and it says here that's poured out and it says that the blood that communicants receive is the same blood christ shed for us on the cross this is his blood this is his body given for you. That's what we believe because Jesus said so, and that's the, that's all there is. That's there. If you try to explain it, which we do too, in with and under, you know the elements, um, it starts to now be something a little different than is. Just like you said before. When he says is, he doesn't say it's like, he doesn't say it represents, it's not symbolic. He he could have used any of those words, but he didn't. He used the word is, and that's what makes it so important to understand when you're at that meal that you are truly receiving the very presence of Jesus' body and blood.
0: What does someone receive, or what, catechism language again, what benefit is there to this eating and drinking of this body and blood?
1: And what did Luther say there? Something about forgiveness of sins and where there's forgiveness of sins, there's life and salvation, something like that. <laughs>
0: and so did Jesus, and Jesus said that as well, even better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus makes that very clear here in his words as he's uh, instituting this meal. You know, take, eat, this is my body. And then he says later on, drink of it and eat of it. It's given and poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins the very reason he was on the cross shedding blood and giving his life, um, it's all tied together for our restoration, that we be restored back to God, that we might be able to be, stand before God appearing just as a reason of Jesus giving us his righteousness. There's so much there uh, in what Jesus is saying that, again, you know, I, I, I can't help but think of the disciples and how they understood what was going on. In that first, in these first moments, when Jesus actually changed, or actually probably added these words uh, to the meal that they were already celebrating the Passover.
0: We do have a question concerning communion uh, from someone in Michigan that asked the, kind of kind of a statement, uh, kind of a question as well. He said, "I've always wondered why Jesus didn't offer communion after he rose from the dead. You know, those those uh, 40 days that he was." After the resurrection, it doesn't ever reference him offering communion, and and the the the, the, the listener is kind of like, why didn't he? You have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think I think it it talks about it here in verse twenty nine. You know that that there will be a day when he will drink it again and drink it anew uh, with you in my Father's kingdom. Uh, you know, we we look at the future of what where we're heading with all of this, and we believe that we will be. Uh, in that wedding banquet that that's coming. Um, in fact, we even say uh, in our liturgy that uh, we believe right now that we're singing with the angels and the saints in heaven. Uh, you know, because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify Your glorious name evermore, praising You and saying, we believe we're in communion with those folks already as we're already getting a taste of heaven in this meal, knowing that indeed uh, we're on our way uh, to that promised land, our promised land, which is the kingdom of heaven.
0: Let's continue. We have about three minutes left in our time. The rest of our verses, 30 through 35. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they will all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So, this is kind of a prophecy of Jesus, but it's not a good prophecy. I will say, what's happening right. here? We have about two minutes left.
1: Well, Jesus is he's saying it the way it is. You know, uh, Peter's going to be a little bit more vocal in his denial of Jesus, and the others are just going to run away. <laughs> they're mm. going to be vocal through their action. You know, they're—they're they're not going to—to to be there for Jesus. Um, you know, at at the cross, they're not going to try and stop it. Um, and you know, there's there's so much speculation over all of that too. You know, one of the things that I see, you know, is the disciples are there um, when Peter, you know, steps up and he's going, you know, I'll I'll defend you to the end. And he he takes out his sword, he he cuts off Malchus's ear. And what does Jesus say? You know, I could stop this any time. So so put your sword away. That's not what this is about. And you know, there's got to be a moments in these disciples' hearts where they're like, he doesn't want this stopped. So, you know, I know a lot of us kind of, we, we look at this and then we go, oh, they just ran away like a bunch of uh, sissies, you know, that they were afraid mm-hmm. of the, in, that for their own lives. I, I, don't, I don't know that I fully agree with that. I, You know, they heard these words of Jesus. They saw his response to what Peter did with his valiant effort, and Jesus shot it down. And it's like, I, yeah, this is going to happen. And they they knew when he was chastised for saying that, you know, he was going to stop this. No one will ever take your life, you know. And and Jesus makes those that remark that outstanding remark about him being Satan. And we need to be about, be about the, the things of God. The men had to at least be processing all of this and uh, understanding that this is going to happen, and and not, nobody's going to stop it. And, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just part of me. I don't, I don't see it in the light of what some commentators would say is just mm-hmm. the, the disciples being afraid and, uh, just kind of running for the hills for their own lives. I'm not, sh- I'm not so sure about that.
0: As we look at everything today, about 30 seconds, how would you summarize our text and encourage our listeners?
1: Well, I think that we, I think we can learn from our text that you know, as we look at the the lives, of especially Judas and Peter, and what's going on here with all the disciples, that that is that's who we are when we sin. That's that's who what we're doing to our Lord, and at the same time, our Lord is allowing those who are sinful people to take and put Him on the cross for the very sake of freeing us. Uh, from our sin, that we might be able to live eternally with our Lord in heaven. We look forward to that day when when we will eat and drink again, uh, well, for our first time uh, in heaven with Jesus in the flesh. And so we look forward to that day.
0: Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 26. Pastor Dieterding, thank you for bringing us his gifts.
1: It's always a joy, and God bless your worship during this uh, coming Holy Week.
0: I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.